This is a great conversation. Um, Sag Harbor is poised to begin a process soon that will be all about the future. And a comprehensive plan for the village really is a blueprint for how the village develops going forward. And we've seen in recent years just how much development pressure there is that Sag Harbor is facing, a comprehensive plan will help guide some of that and start to answer some of those questions up front. But of course, getting there is a real challenge. From the Express News Group, I'm Gavin Manu, publisher of the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, Express Magazine and 27East.com. The Express Sessions are back with a new season of conversations not to be missed. And this is the Sessions Report. The Express Sessions are presented by Rocco Carrero Wealth Partners, a Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisor for 2023 with offices in East Hampton and Southampton. Deciding the right next move in a changing market can be a challenge but the right financial advice can help you best position your portfolio to take advantage of opportunities and mitigate loss. The professionals at Rocco Carrero Wealth Advisors are committed to understanding your goals and can provide personal financial advice to meet your individual needs. For more information or to set up a consultation, visit RoccoCarrero.com or call 631-283-8482. have to see what's working what we want to maintain within our village the character of our village when you talk about projects and develop people that are trying to develop pieces of property I've had people come to me and ask me and I say it's important that whatever you do you know checks all the boxes and ask yourself this question is my project or what I'm doing good for the village of Sag Harbor the residents of Sag Harbor now that that envelops a lot of stuff, right? And traffic, parking, the impact on the environment. So these are all things that we need to take into consideration. We've been collecting data on the environment, how, how things, how the, the bay, the harbor is being affected by what we do. That's very important. Uh, traffic is a concern. So we know what the challenges are. And we know from listening to the residents what they're concerned about. Welcome back to the Sessions Report. That was the voice of Sag Harbor Village Mayor Tom Gardella, who is obviously at the top of our panel for our latest Express Sessions event at the American Hotel, right in the heart of Sag Harbor, where the discussion title was a blueprint for a historic village, deciding on Sag Harbor's future, which was moderated by our executive editor, Joe Shaw, who joins me today. Welcome back, Joe. Thank you, Gavin. Uh, the conversation was about creating a comprehensive plan for the village of Sag Harbor, you know, at a time when development pressure, traffic, parking issues, obviously issues with water quality, and uh, really what's a crisis level of affordable housing, a lack of affordable housing, has pushed the village into dangerous territory. And the leaders of the village are saying they need to really make a plan for the future. So joining Mayor Gardella on the panel were Sag Harbor Village Trustee Ed Hay, Sag Harbor Planning Board Chairman John Shaka, Architect Neelay Oza, Susan Mead, who is a former land use attorney and uh, is very involved in, in village issues, and Bob Weinstein, who's a board member with Save Sag Harbor. 
Um, right out of the gate, Ed Hay talked about the complicated process of creating a comprehensive plan. I think it's important that we um, prepare for the process. And part of the preparation for the process is um, gathering information, compiling information, organizing information, frankly, rationalizing the sources of information um, that get fed into the process of developing the comprehensive plan, which will be led in the village by the planning board. Um, so right now we have you know, a plethora of village statutory boards, advisory boards, regional boards, representation all over that. And so rationalizing that understanding, the overlapping responsibilities, um, the flow of information, um, to set the process up for the comprehensive plan is an important part of what we can do now. Joe, you've seen this issue play out in other municipalities over the years. Obviously, you know, we cover West Hampton to Montauk, uh, all these, whether it's a village or a town, a lot of these municipalities need to plan for the future. So what did you see at this Express Sessions event about the steps Sag Harbor needs to take and can they learn from some of their neighbors in this process? Yeah, I think what's interesting is Sag Harbor is very much at the beginning of this process. You can argue that it hasn't really started yet. I think some of the village officials have said that they've kind of started the preliminary work by talking to people and beginning to sort of set the stage for the more formal process. But what's what I think is really the big question here is what happens with that comprehensive plan? Because most of the towns and villages have one in place. But the question is how active, how actively that municipality is using this comprehensive plan as a real blueprint of, for what they do going forward. I, I think, for example, we cover uh, Southampton Village fairly closely, and sometimes it feels like people have to be reminded of things that are in the comprehensive plan. For instance, the proposal for the closure of Pond Lane, um, that's been very controversial in the village but someone later pointed out that the comprehensive plan suggests that that's something that should happen in order to work towards the goal of a more walkable village. So those are the things you set in a comprehensive plan, and it's supposed to drive your policy. But I think the danger is that a comprehensive plan sort of ends up on a shelf gathering dust, and you don't really use it as an active document. I think Sag Harbor probably is going to create a, a comprehensive plan that is going to be much more actively pursued with its policies. There are some big issues in Sag Harbor, and I think a, a plan is really needed to provide some context for how the village approaches all those different issues. Yeah, I mean, these conversations don't happen in a vacuum, obviously. And I think a lot of the panelists and the guests in attendance pointed out that studies have been done over the years. Uh, you know, traffic circles have been looked at. Water quality study after water quality study have been done. And a lot of the village, you know, the village officials on the, on the panel, uh, Trustee Ed Hay and the mayor, suggested that they draw on all those past studies and experiences that a lot of this work is being done. But, you know, John Shaka, who's the chairman of the planning board and, and also a former director of the Sag Harbor Partnership, talked about applying for grants to help fund the project, talked about engaging experts, because the challenge is to pull together all those past conversations and put it into one plan for the future. 
John Chaka, I think you have a really interesting perspective here because you're the former executive director of the Sag Harbor Partnership, yep. but now you're chairman of the planning board, so you're interpreting all of the codes and things that, that are in place now, so I think you probably have a really good perspective on some of the challenges moving forward, but tell, tell us about your perspective as chairman of the planning board. You also have experience with the Harbor Committee. What, what do you think we need to, to think well, about? Well, I, I think generally, stepping back a bit, I think what... Uh, comprehensive plan is the vision for the future. So it, it, it's as simple as that. It's, it's engaging the community, engaging uh, the business community, the schools, and everyone here who's a, a stakeholder into what they think we ought to be like um, 10 years from now, 15 years from now. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the goal, coming up with, with the vision and then coming up with specific ways of achieving that vision over time. Mm -hmm. um, it's as simple, as complicated and as simple as that. We have applied, the village is not a secret, the village applied for grant assistance um, from the state, Department of Planning. Um, that uh, was not available last year, I believe. Um, it was the year prior. I think it's available potentially this year. Um, so that's a step, in, a big step in the right direction. I don't know if we'll get that grant. Um, I think we might hear back in December. Others know better than, than I do. Um, but if that is a go-ahead, then we're in a good position to actually find, you know, engage with, with a consultant who, like the mayor said, the people of the village are hugely important, but we need someone to guide us in the structure, the skeleton of how do you hold these public hearings and how do you manage a process for it. The Express Sessions are supported by Adam Miller Group, a leading real estate law firm in the Hamptons. Specializing in representing and advising clients on acquisitions, sales, leasing, and every aspect of zoning of residential and commercial real estate. Partners Adam Miller and Denise Shearn are known for being highly responsive and solutions-oriented. The firm has had offices in Bridgehampton since 2007 and also has a presence in South Florida. Knowledge of the law, fastidious execution, key relationships, and personal dedication are the cornerstones of the practice. Visit adammillergroup.com or call 631-537-1155 to connect today. Joe, what do you see as the, in terms of funding and consultants, sometimes this process feels insurmountable. Uh, is, is there a way that they can get there? What did we learn at the session in terms of bringing all this together, how that process plays out? It's, it sounded to me like that consultant piece is really going to be key. Yeah, they, they can't really do anything until they hire a consultant. That's the first step in the process, and arguably that's 1A because the first step is to find the funding to hire the consultant to start the process. So this is why it's it's a tricky thing for a village to get into and and it's taking sag harbor a little time so i i you know i think they want to make sure they have the funding lined up then they hire the consultant then the process begins in earnest and don't forget too that a big part of the process is to identify where you want to go as a village in the future because as you said, the village has a lot of studies and there have been a lot of private organizations who have done little studies on, on different aspects of all of the issues that the village wants to deal with. But none of it has any context. There has to be some kind of context of saying, here's what we want to be as a village. And so when you evaluate something like a roundabout, 
How does that fit into the big plan of where we envision this village going? Until you set that big plan, you can do all the studies you want and they can reach all the conclusions they want. You don't really have a guidepost to work from. So, you know, I think getting a, getting a consultant in place to start that process and that process is about saying, where do we want to be as a village when it comes to affordable housing, when it comes to traffic, when it comes to environmental things? The, that's what this process is. And until they hire a consultant, they're not going to really be able to start it um, in any formal way. Yeah. One of the great things about Express Sessions is we, is we take these discussions out of the boardroom, you know, which can, which can be an intimidating environment for some people to speak up. Obviously, the, the village board or the town board is kind of driving the conversation very much so. But some of the panelists at this week's session, uh, Nile Oza, who's a, architect, a local architect, Bob Weinstein, Susan Mead, they don't sit on any village boards, but they, they offer great perspective. And Nile, uh, in particular, spoke about the need to be resilient in the face of all these challenges and made some really great points in the process. There have been successful programs and uh, have been implemented that have revitalized this town. I, I don't think there's any debate about that. We are a very vital place. And I think some of the problems we're talking about, traffic, affordable housing, actually are a consequence of our success, of this success. So I would say we need a new term. <laughs> we need to think about planning, not with revitalization in mind, but I believe with resilience in mind. What's the difference between revitalization and resilience? Well, like I said, uh, our re we are vitalized, and that success has brought in many, many issues, and now we have to be resilient against those, and we have to plan for those to be integrated into our community. I personally f feel like how Bob said, one of the big issues is our coastal resilience. People call it climate change. Uh, it is all of the above. We People living here have been doing coastal resilience for millennia, and we are no different. Uh, we just seem to have a much harder challenge in front of us. And personally, I have an opinion on how and where we should be now addressing our resources. Um, I can talk about that now or later. Sure, sure. So the LWRP, as the kind of concept talks about, is two things. It's the waterfront and uh, it's revitalization. I said we're, we're, we're vitalized. But just like the waterfront, the main street, these are the places where we tend to focus our, uh, our efforts. Even the waterfront overlay district had that qualifier in it. I believe for a community, we have other issues. So if let's say Sag Harbor was a house, the waterfront and the main street would function as the front of the house. But like many homes, there's also a backyard. Our backyard is the parking lot. It's not sexy, but it's a big problem. And for the functioning of us as a community, that needs to be addressed because it is debilitating not to have the parking lot for us in 10, 15 years. And personally, like I've done some research on this and I'm happy to talk to anybody about it, but NOAA has a, a National Oceanic and Atmospheric Agency has a sea level rise viewer. It's a, basically, it takes data from Montauk, which is our tidal station, and describes what happens over uh, time. So that 50-year time frame I was talking about is 2070. Basically, the data shows us that we're going to have a sandy level event every summer, every year here, and the parking lot is 
essentially going to be non-functional. And that isn't one, one event. This will continue to happen as time goes on and get worse and worse and worse and worse. So in a comprehensive plan, I think we have to also understand there are some exist existential issues that need to be brought on the table. And oftentimes, talking about kids and teens, they're the, they the people that actually understand that. Yeah. Our generation tends to kind of uh, gloss over it because we have more immediate pressing problems. The Express Sessions are supported by Advantage Title, a leading provider of residential and commercial title service on the east end of Long Island, throughout New York and nationwide. With an expertise in land use and five in-house counsel, they're known for seamless transactions. Since 1987, hands-on management, state-of-the-art technology, underwriter relationships, and a commitment to being the best have set Advantage Title apart. Visit AdvantageTitle.com or contact Executive Vice President Chris Nuzzi at cnuzzi at AdvantageTitle.com to discuss your title needs today. Susan Mead talked about climate change and how the village needs to keep that at the top of its list during this process. You know, it was kind of interesting when you say, what are we planning on for now? What are the issues right now? But by the time this process all shakes out, which may take, you know, they talked about 18 months, could be a couple years, the issues might have changed by then. The, the needs might have changed by then. A good comprehensive plan is consensus-based. In other words, you listen, you hear, um, and then you work to develop something that won't satisfy everybody, but has a lot of public input. Secondly, a comprehensive plan is a flexible document. You have to update it. So what is important now, such as affordable housing, traffic calming, and anything related to water may not be as important if we do what we want set out to do and set goals and achieve them in 10 years. There may be something else that's more important. Um, so it's not a document that's going to sit on a shelf. It's used by all the boards, uh, and it does have to be updated. But the primary thing is it's consensus-based. Lots of public meetings, lots of listening. Got to get that public input and, and really absorb to, it. To have a good one that's supported over the years. Otherwise, it'll end up like a study. Flooding of the lower level of Main Street. Uh, this basement is flooded a lot. Uh, the hardware store, a lot. The cinema, we had to build a bathtub of four feet high um, for the cinema because it used to flood a lot. Part of the wonderful smell, the cinema smell, uh, was from flooding. Um, so all of the buildings, probably from here down, are at risk all the time already. And if we don't address how to quit doing permeable surfaces and not, in, not put in dry wells up on Maine and Madison where some of this water is coming from, as well as have very good ways to get water out of town into the bay, we've got a problem that we will not have a downtown commercial area nearly <coughs> like we have. How do these guys keep up with the, with the changing times and these developing issues? Yeah, it's a moving target. Um, and I think that's really one of the challenges with a comprehensive plan is you, you've, you're, you're looking at it in the current. You're looking at it in the present, but you're thinking about it in 10 years, 20 years. 
And so think about where we were 10 years ago with affordable housing. And if we had looked ahead to 2023 and said, here's, here's how we think it will be then, I don't know that we would have envisioned the level of crisis that, that we have. So sitting in 2023 and you look to 2033, you know, it's a difficult thing to project out. But, but the best you can do is, is to think about what your strategies are between now and then to try and affect it. And, and by the way, Neil made a really great point, which is the village's success is a problem all by itself. It creates problems because the village is so popular and so attractive. And there are a lot of visitors, a lot of people who want to be here. The businesses are doing well. But so when businesses are doing well, they need more employees. You can't afford employees who can't afford to live here, that creates a problem. So with all of the positives, and, and I think he made a distinction between, you know, a lot of times a village will want to go into a comprehensive plan with the idea of revitalizing the village, that it needs to be brought back from something. That's not Sag Harbor. Sag Harbor is great. It's in great shape. The problem is all of its successes are creating new issues that need to be addressed. And so I just found that to be an interesting distinction. It's important to remember that this isn't always about, so how do we get more business? How do we get more people to come to the village? That's not necessarily the conversation that you need to have with Sag Harbor. So that's one way Sag Harbor is going to be different from almost any other village or community that starts a comprehensive plan. And Bob Weinstein, who uh, you know spent a lot of the conversation at the Express Sessions event, encouraging everyone to focus on the big picture of creating this comprehensive plan, not get caught up in those smaller issues right out of the gates, right out of the gate, but instead focus on what they want to see the village look like. I think there's a couple things that I would say. First of all, I agree with uh, Tom that a comprehensive plan can't just be. Um, uh, about guardrails or a blueprint for development. It has to be a blueprint for preservation. I think that's really critical. Um, and when I talk about preservation, of course, you know, closest to my heart is preservation of the historic district. I think the fact that we're a National Register historic district gives us um, a kind of certain complexity and um, a, an extra not burden exactly. I can't think of another word for it, though, that, um, you know, we have to be really um, cognizant of and, and always has to be front and center to everything that is part of the planning process. But um, it also has to be preservation of our natural resources, of the harbor, of water quality. And I think critically important is, um, you know, a plan for mitigation for whatever effect climate change is going to have, which isn't, as the news media has been saying, isn't coming, but it's here. I just want to make sure that we're thinking about this conversation from a sort of broader perspective and not getting, you know, too tight, you know, because we're going to come up with these solutions once we identify what those solutions are. I think the more important thing is to think about how do we uh, buy into a process that, um, you know, allows for the community to come together and express a vision for what Sag Harbor should be and then put it into buckets that the community, you know, that it resonates to the community. The work that I used to do, I always put it into, um, it, it sounds a little, uh, you know, highfalutin um, as it relates to a municipality, 
but we always looked at what the emotional connection was. You know, in the case of Sag Harbor, how do you want to feel about Sag Harbor when you live here, when you visit? The behavioral connection, you know, how does Sag Harbor work for you? You know, it's a market town for people. There's a vibrant Main Street. There's a harbor. Uh, the sensory is, you know, the look and feeling of Sag Harbor and the cultural is the history. And if you put everything into those buckets and create a vision for the village, then we can start identifying both what the problems are and what the opportunities are. How challenging is that, though, to, to not drift into every little detail that you're facing today when you're talking about these plans for the future? That's really a great point. And I think it's one of the big challenges with a comprehensive plan is you're not talking about a roundabout. You're not talking about um, Adam Potter's project. You're not talking about specifics. You've got to take the 50,000-foot view and say, what do we want to see Sag Harbor become? And these are all sort of subtopics that you have to discuss. Uh, my name is Lee Skolnick. I'm an architect here in town. Um, also, like my wife, I've been here since 1978. Actually, before she was my wife. <laughs> uh, but I'm so thrilled that we are broaching this topic in a, in a really formal way, this comprehensive planning. Uh, the former mayor will attest to the fact, Ed Hay will attest to the fact, Bob Plum will attest to the fact that I've been pushing this for as long as, and, and Tom, I'm about to make an appointment to talk to you. Um, you know, our firm actually does a lot of uh, master planning and community planning, and I want to get back to something that, that Bob said. Um, you know, you, you start with empirical evidence. Everything that we know, all of the topics that we know are important. You do the stakeholder engagement, and that, you know, to your point, has to be all members of the community. It can't just be us. It's got to be people who don't come to things like this, but are fundamental to the, uh, the health and, and, uh, and stability of Sag Harbor. And then you take all that information and you synthesize it into a vision. And that vision, you, you, know, you were making the analogy to branding, that vision becomes the basis for a comprehensive plan. You can't do it, but you can't add up all the pieces <laughs> and think that it's going to result in a vision. You have to, that synthesis process is crucially important, and that's where the village needs help. That's where the consultant comes in. In listening, you, you know, you mentioned, uh, Susan, you know, you have to listen, listen, listen. You have to get all the information, and then you mold it into a vision that then becomes the basis for a comprehensive plan. And then every one of the topics that we've talked about are approached through the filter of that comprehensive plan. It's the only way to do it in such a way that it will be integrated in the end and result in something that, yes, it, it, it will be organic and it will change over time, but if there's a consensus around how we envision the future of Sag Harbor, then all of these things fall into place. And if we don't do that, and we handle the, the septic issue, or we handle the traffic calming, or we handle the affordable housing on its own, this could not come together. And we might spend time, money, energy on doing things that later we realize maybe we shouldn't have done that if we had thought more globally about it.
I think one of the interesting backdrops of, of this entire discussion, and this is, this is across the East End, really, Mayor Gardella kept reminding everybody that he works for village residents. And that also spilled over into the fact that the village also serves as the downtown area for really what's the Sag Harbor School District, Noyak, North Haven, and those areas. Um, but, you know, the, the, you, you can't get away from the fact that we're talking about uh, an area that is a summer tourist destination, an extremely popular summer tourist destination. So when people are passing through Sag Harbor to get from, uh, say, Shelter Island to East Hampton, the roads are just backing up unbearably. Uh, the, the the parking and the traffic is is some some in the audience spoke about how it's just really becoming unsustainable for them that they may not want to live here anymore. I'm Joanne Secor. I've been living here in Sag Harbor for 40 years with my husband and family, and we've been full-time residents uh, for a while now. And so my question is, how do we define community? I've heard the word mentioned I don't know how many times today. But we live in a very extraordinarily unique community, which between May and September becomes vastly different from what we're used to in the fall, winter, and early spring. And over 40 years, I've seen this change. And we have businesses who rely on what happens between May and September. And I have to say that this summer was a tipping point, at least for me and for many of the people I know. We had too many people here too many rude people, lots of traffic, not being able to find a parking space. And I, I'm really worried about how do we keep the integrity and the authenticity of this village when we have attracted so many people and they're not gonna stop coming, believe me. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I hear people saying East Hampton is dead. Everybody wants to come to Sag Harbor. And many languages are now spoken on the street and what when we define community, are we thinking about what is happening in this community between May and September, and how are we going to deal with that? I'm Tony Brandt. I've spent seven, I've lived here for 42 years, along with my wife, Lorraine, who's lived here for 43 years, <laughs> and always wants that distinction made. <laughs> anyway, I've made the distinction and I do know something about this village that nobody has really understood from the perspective I'm going to bring to it. I spent seven years as chairman of the ARB. I got to know this village unbelievably well. I've been in many of the houses there, checking them out because they wanted to build bigger and better. So I know this place, and I know that there are two main things going on that really affect this village, and which are gonna have an enormous, make it enormously difficult to have a master plan in the first place. One is traffic. And the traffic comes here as tourists for the most part, and they come on the weekends, and it's every weekend now. And in the summer, it gets to be unbelievably bad. And why do they come here? They come here because they have destroyed their own communities and developed them out of control. The other reason, the other 
difficulty that the community faces is money. Huge amounts of money are poured into this place. And the development is overwhelming. And as somebody who tried his best and failed to stop it in some way, there is no way to stop it. There's just too much of it. So we have two things which are related but opposed to each other. One is people come and some of them come and say, oh, this is so beautiful, this community. Look at Main Street, look at the big houses there. Look at all the side streets with their little houses. It's so cute, it's so quaint. Oh boy, we all love this. And so they wanna move here. And because they've got the money to do that, they tend to ruin it. So how do you separate that out? How does the mayor separate that out when, yes, he's working for the, the, the residents of Sag Harbor, but we've got thousands upon thousands of people coming to this village, coming to the East End every summer season, and we're a victim of our own success. Can that be separated out in these planning processes? I know the mayor said that he likes the idea of, well, if we build it the way we like it, well, hopefully these people find it attractive as well. But it's a, it's a, double, it's a double standard that he's dealing with there because the, these people do come here, they support the economy. You gotta plan for that, that sort of um, huge population boost and how it's affecting these villages. Take a step back for a second. There are three Sag Harbors. You can really look at Sag Harbor in three ways. There is Sag Harbor Village that is the full-time residence of Sag Harbor and the little, tiny, close-knit community that it's been for generations. And that survives, which is amazing, by the way, in and of itself. But there really is a, a core Sag Harbor that is a very tight-knit little community in a small town that is within the village borders and that's where the people live and that's where the people work and that's where the people shop and, and that's important. There's also, as our own Ellen Diaguardi mentioned when she spoke, when she had the microphone and she's the, the president of the, the chamber and obviously she was speaking for herself, not in that role, but she lives in Noyak and the people who live in, and we also had someone who, who lived in North Haven who made the same point, People who live in Noyak and, and North Haven and some of the other little communities right around the village but outside its borders consider themselves from Sag Harbor. They aren't in the borders. They don't vote. They, they're not part of Sag Harbor Village specifically, but they are very much part of that larger Sag, Sag Harbor that exists. Ellen Diogardi, 41-year resident of the uh, Sag Harbor School District, my first 20 on Main Street, basically. Um, I can't speak for the Chamber of Commerce, although I am president of the Sag Harbor Chamber of Commerce because I did not get their permission. And uh, Rory, you're here, so you know I'm not speaking for the Chamber. But I do have some perspective for that. And one of the things, other than our waterfront and the historic nature of the village, that I think we can all agree that makes Sag Harbor so special is our retail community, the restaurants, Main Street, the other areas, the arts venues that we have. And one of the things that I hear from our membership all the time is the concern about a competing retail area 
coming up. So I just want to put it out there that I hope that we are looking very carefully at what that could do to Sag Harbor Village. My mother lived in East Hampton for many years. I saw that village just turn into something that nobody really wants to go to. We are a vibrant village, and part of that is because we still have locally owned and run businesses. We don't have all commercial places that close. They're open year-round. I think we have to really consider very seriously what it would do changing the retail nature. And then you have this third Sag Harbor, which is an entity that people come to visit, that it's a part-time destination. And that's a completely different Sag Harbor. Yes, the appeal of it is the small town that I spoke of that's sort of the core identity. I think that's, that's the root of it. But it's so much more than that. And you have a whole constituency of people who have very different priorities that you have to concern yourself with. So yeah, when the village sits down to do this comprehensive plan, those are three constituencies that it's got to deal with. And, and, and I don't know that we got to an answer about how much the mayor should weigh, for instance, the, the importance of what the people from Noyak think. The mayor has said anything that they do, for instance, they talked about if they do more paid parking, he doesn't want village residents to have to pay to park in the village. So he wants to extend that to people from Noyak and some of the, the communities right around. I think that shows that he's thinking about that. But there are some other questions that are gonna come up where, where it's gonna really be about who is the constituency we're dealing with here. I'm not sure how they'll deal with that, and, but it's gonna be a big question when they, when they really start into the hardcore process of putting this comprehensive plan together. Yeah, well, it's always in the backdrop of all of our express sessions events, you know, whether you're talking about traffic, parking, water quality, development. Uh, this is a, a very, very desirable high-end tourist uh, destination here on the East End. But we'll keep having the conversations. Express sessions uh, are taking a break for the holidays, and we'll be back in January and uh, lots more issues to address. Yeah, looking forward to it. We have some exciting ones coming up uh right after the holidays and uh, all spring, as we usually do. All right. Thanks, Joe. Yep. In the absence of a, a comprehensive plan, speculators are going to speculate. And this nature of speculation, I can speak as a private citizen here, you know, has this characteristic of a benevolent speculation. Mm -hmm. There's a false choice between affordable housing in some retail, but mm -hmm. it's a false choice in my belief. Mm -hmm. And in the absence of a comprehensive plan, that is exactly what's gonna happen. Thank you for listening. The Express Sessions and the Sessions Report are presented by Rocco Carrero Wealth Partners. Our session partners are the Adam Miller Group and Advantage Title, with additional support from Sabre Capital, Geek Hampton, Dayton Ritz and Osborne Insurance, and Greenberg Trowerick. A special thanks to our media partner, WLIWFM. We will see you next time at Express Sessions for another conversation not to be missed. <laughs>